Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, whatever. Welcome back to Author News Weekly. Thanks for joining us. I'm R.A. McGee. Before we get started, let's introduce your panel for the week, which looks similar to the panel from many other weeks. We're going to start at the bottom here, which means nothing to you listeners, and introduce Pippa Warner. Hello. Right. And then we're going to flip things up, and we're going to put Mr. Thacker in the middle of the author sandwich. That's me. Yes. <laughs> Last but not least, my man up on a mountain like Yoda, like Muhammad on a mountain, Jim Heskett. Hello, Internet. Happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So before we get started in earnest, I got a weird question. I was thinking, what is this is, this is so weird. What is your favorite condiment? Condiment. And I'll tell you why I brought up, because I was just recently introduced to this hot sauce maker from New York called Senor Lechuga, right? And it's got really fantastic hot sauces. And I was so excited about the hot sauce today that I thought, what other stuff do I not know about? Maybe you guys got something cool that I don't know about. What, what's your favorite condiment? Um, Ketchup. Ooh. God damn. Is that exotic enough for you? Mr. Uh, lettuce? So Mr. in lettuce. Iceland, they make this stuff put on hot dogs that's basically mustard and ketchup and some other stuff and i i don't know how to pronounce it but i dropped a link in the chat it's like pills of syrup or something and it's very good mustard and ketchup that's interesting jim are you a free-range ketchup guy or is it just heinz i'll go with what's available i'm not picky that's free range (laughs) i don't know what that i don't know what that means what do you mean free range, man? Any roll around freely. <laughs> it's do you mean like the tomatoes that choose to fall off the vine? Do you mean like the tomatoes were happy as they were growing? <laughs> they were, Is that what you mean? No. No. Are you a, a free like a free range eater? You'd be like someone who oh anything Jim's free range. Right, uh, Jim's a free range ketchup eater. I mean, I won't mm. put ketchup on everything if that's what you're asking. Yeah. No, it's okay. I don't want to no be worries. pigeonholed. Into some kind of ketchup usage, Jim, that ketchup guy. In any event, I can. As I age, I, I I think I'm getting more and more into uh to the mustard stuff. You know, like not not your typical yellow mustard, but like the Dijon's, the the horseradish kind of tasting ones. I, I love that kind of stuff. Um, I like me some wasabi as well, but only on certain things. I like that spice. You know, stone ground mustard. I like it. There I like go. it. All right, good. Exactly. Well, I'm going to look into this ketchup mustard collaboration. So this was worth the conversation. So if you guys have nothing else you want to chat about before we start, let's get into the news. So let's see. The first story that we have today, it comes to us from the BBC and This is kind of interesting because I think we probably all have bad memories about how much school books costed, textbooks in college. And this is the same thing, but just for the new generation. 
Uh, the title is University Staff Urge Probe into Ebook Pricing Scandal. Apparently, professors seem to still be doing the same thing that they that they used to do, where you know they write a book and then they want you to pay for it. But now it seems like one of the examples cited in this is it's forty four pounds for a print copy. Pounds, I think, is Nick's favorite unit of money, and uh, it's forty five pounds for for a print copy. But it's four hundred and twenty three pounds for a single ebook user for the digital version, and that's kind of mind boggling that it's ten times more for the digital version. So what's going on with that? Why on earth is that other than sheer greed? Is there a real reason that's happening, Gus? It's greed. I mean, I've always thought it's greed. There's very clearly at some point above like reasonable profit margin, reasonable like cost of existence. And again, and you can argue about the reasonable side of it all day. There's some range there, right? But uh, over and above the reasonable number, it just becomes greed to me. Period. Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. You know? uh, a new edition every year, and the new edition is so and so much, and then you can't return the old edition. And... Yeah. Well, but when it comes to this, the key phrase in there is there's a quote that it said, it's public money. And that is, that's the key phrase there, because what publisher wouldn't bilk the government? What company wouldn't Gosh, bilk the government if they could, you know, to, to mm. charge exorbitant prices for stuff. But the, mm. the fact that the eBooks cost 10 times as much as the print books is insane. That's just crazy. Well, and that's just, that's just a, a signaling that they're not in the business of selling books or in the business of printing dead trees. Right. And so don't you think that, I mean, Jim yeah. made is a, I disagree sigh. I just, <laughs> I don't disagree. I've, just, I've heard that phrase that they're that the traditional publishers are trying to sell dead trees. And I never, I don't know what that means because they're not literally well, okay. trying to sell paper. It's just, I think it's more that like they have, you know, they have, they have these huge established business chains. They have their vendors, their relationships with Waterstones and Barnes and Noble, and they have all the trucks and they have the warehouses and people work at the warehouses. And if they get rid of paperbacks, then all that stuff goes away. And I don't think it's not just not that easy to divorce themselves from that side of the business. Of course, progress is going to win. You know, progress always wins eventually and paperbacks will go away and it'll just be digital books. Here's why I say that, because I've said it more than once. And I, I do think it's true. I think they're trying to sell dead trees it's exactly for the reasons you're saying. They're holding on to something that is going away. You're right in that progress is going to win. But it's also true that they can vastly increase their profit margins by just focusing on digital, period. That's just going to be true because they don't yeah. have to pay for the trucks and the drivers and the other businesses and all the middlemen that involve printing things. This is the same argument with Barnes and I mean, uh, uh, Blockbuster laughing Netflix out of or Redbox or whatever it was out of the room, right? They're like, no, 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 we're going to print like laser written engraved discs of metal or plastic or whatever the hell they are, you know, we're not going to actually care about providing movies and TV shows to people. We want to print this arcane technology. That's what I think. I think and I'm always in right. this case, it's slightly more complex because of, as they point out during COVID, a whole bunch of people were trying to use everything digital, things have shifted. And what's also intriguing to me is that this is such a forked market system. So what they're talking about, like, first of all, the copyright, but then publishers can withdraw ebook licenses previously published by universities and enforce new ones. That is insane from any sort of free market perspective. And so things have gotten so tangled at this point that- Can you unpack that a little bit, what you just said there about revoking? What does that mean? 
So it means that if I were to buy a book, like if I were to put this in physical book terms, I had bought a book and the publisher could come to my house and either just take it or give me a completely different book and then be like, and you also have to pay me 45 more dollars to keep using it. Like if you put it in physical book terms, it sounds insane because it is insane. (laughs) Yeah. So like later in the article, they have the publishers saying, oh, we think this is all priced fairly and all this. But the people that are attaching their names to this protest letter are librarians. They know how this system works. This is coming out of nowhere for them. They're looking at this and saying, I mean, they know how the purchasing process works. I just don't understand how, and I know this is not the United States, but there's a law in most states here, because we all know what happened in the toilet paper incident of 2020, where you <laughs> cannot price gouge. And that, that's a legitimate like legal term. You know, It depends on, I guess, the state, I think. But a certain amount over a, again, quote unquote, reasonable price, you cannot charge for that. And I would make these, the argument, if I were a lawyer, because I'm very smart, that this is price gouging. This is the same thing. This is the same content in a different medium. There's no difference in the content. Right. And if so they move in units. Should... It's difficult to prove price gouging. So if all of the different ebook publishers for academic books yeah. move at once, it's difficult to prove price gouging. And it sounds like they have I'm guessing from the fact that they have it legally on the books that they can withdraw ebook licenses and enforce new ones, that they've got a whole host of other legal protections in there that mean they can do pretty much whatever they want. Yeah, and I think the it does say that attaching letter that is calling out copyright law as the root cause, not even publishing assholes, right? It's saying that this monopoly is created by copyright law, and that's the root cause of these huge pricing differentials. So I'm interested. Yeah. And this is kind of it's like, well, okay, so they're not actually going to go for the publishers here. They're going to go for some legal congressional, and or in this case, you know, House of Lords or whatever they do over there, weirdo. Yeah, law change, you know. There are different things, like, for instance, if you are buying shampoo or something like that, and it says parfum in the ingredients list, that's because that's still under a very specific subset of law that protected perfume makers specifically from having to divulge their formulas. So my guess is there's some arcane part of copyright law that's protecting these publishers specifically. Yeah, so it's fine. I'm all for them going after uh, whatever needs to change for this, but this has been bullshit since I was in school. Where I was like, what's an ebook? Oh, it's too expensive. I'll just buy the $400 textbook, paper or the hardcover textbook. I wasn't happy yeah. then. I'm not happy now. No. Nope. I wonder if it, do you guys think it has anything to do with when you have a traditional deal, you know, you get paid and they track like how many books get moved? Do you think maybe that's them trying to incentivize people to buy the paper version so they can inflate the numbers or track something and they make it so unappealing? for the ebook version that they do the other thing? Like, is there a reason maybe? Uh, Oh, I wonder if that's it. They're worried about the ebook version getting pirated in a way the paper version can't necessarily be. Probably sure. Yeah. They've always worried about that kind of stuff, you know? And that's why when I was in music school, we always made photocopies of our textbook and handed them out to the incoming freshmen when we needed, you know, when they couldn't afford them because I was like, this is bullshit. I watched you have to pay $400 for a textbook, you know, you can't afford it. And the professor to be that here. would use last year's version were the legends. I'd be like, yeah, oh, that yep. professor. We like exactly. That. We awesome. All right. Well, interesting. Interesting. A uh, lot of different alchemy seems like it's at play here, but I just know that's uh, that's really pricey for some school books. So let's move on to our second story. You know, I'm hoping that you guys are a little more familiar with this than I am. Bookshop.org. 
All right. Now, this is a company that I'm not familiar with a website and they come into play in our next two stories. So let's just kind of get them out of the way with this one and see if we can get to the, the bottom of what they are before the next story. So uh, the headline of this that's uh, coming from the bookseller.com is bookshop.org urges industry to back indies with links in independent bookshop week. So it's online indie retailer bookshop.org is calling for publishers and authors to link to independent bookshops and its own site for the duration of independent bookshop week, IBW running from the 19th to the 26th of June and sponsored by Hachette UK. IBW is an annual celebration of independent bookshops run by the booksellers association. It seeks to highlight and support the bookselling community. And as part of the books are my bag campaign. And so this down here is a little further saying that, you know, bookshop.org provides booksellers on the platform with two revenue streams, including 30% commission earned on sales that come through the store's links, book lists, shop pages, and a 10% cut on all their sales on the platform. So, I mean, this is interesting. This is nice. Like, we all want indie bookshops. Well, I shouldn't speak for everyone. I'm a fan of indie bookshops. You know, they're kind of weird and quirky usually, and I think the more that's out there, the better. But I had never heard of bookshop.org until now. Are you guys familiar with them? Oh, yeah. I use them for hard copy books a lot of the time. Hmm. They were brought to my attention right at the start of the pandemic. And I had at that point, you know, as they started to become more well known, I looked into it to see what bookstores were saying about it. And they seemed to be saying we're making slightly less or on par in terms of profits, which is why the second story that we'll be talking about is interesting to me. But we don't have to stock the inventory, which means that we don't have to have our people in close proximity to one another as much right now. And that was obviously very, very good during the pandemic when we still weren't sure how things were spreading and what was going on. So you sell hardbacks through bookshop.org? No, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. This is how, that was how I was buying a whole bunch of hardbacks because I could select ah, a bookstore ah. near me and they would get Got a it. cut and provide some of the servicing for that. Okay. So I've had good experiences with them. Okay. Right on. Right on. What about you guys? For the record, so if you go to bookshop.org at the very bottom, there's a link for bookshop for authors. So they do work with authors, independent, traditional, or whatever. But it's more of like an affiliate sort of thing rather than upload your books, they'll print. It's not a print on demand service. I remember reading about these guys. I, I thought they had just kind of opened their doors a year ago or whatever. Maybe they've been around for a little bit, but yeah, they're basically kind of taking this socially conscious way of connecting readers with authors and stores that sell them. But, you know, the whole thing for me is tainted by this truism that just because it's an independent bookstore doesn't mean that they even know what an independent author is. Um, You go into those stores, there's the same freaking books that I'm going to find at Barnes and Noble, you know, with very few exceptions. There's some, oh, here's the local author's card at the front of the store. And then there's some, they, some of them like Ted covered in Denver sells used books spine out alongside their brand new ones. And so maybe accidentally they've gotten a couple of new books, but that's what always makes me angry about this is make a real independent bookstore. Oh, you're only selling the best of, you know, indie stuff that people have never heard of before. I don't think that they're going to necessarily make more money doing that. And that's why we don't see it. I just think that that would be really cool. And if you want to differentiate yourself in my eyes as a bookstore, do that, then I'll, then I'll, I'll shop there. I was invited to be part of an indie only bookstore a few years ago. It went out of business after about six months. 
Yeah, that's about right. Because it's not just that the books are bad. I think that's the taboo, right? But it's that people don't know those authors. So they go in there mm-hmm. and they're like, cool, I'm looking for the latest Dan, Dan Brown book. And they're like, well, we have Nick Thacker books. <laughs> Which I think everybody would agree is every bit as good. But, you know, just no one knows who that is. And I don't know Nick Thacker is. Well, I'm a Dan Brown book, you know? So it makes it a little tricky. So I totally understand that that's probably wishful thinking. But I just wanted to point that out that like I read this and I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like independent bookstores, but that doesn't mean the same thing as bookstores selling independent authors. And that's what I really want to see rant over. Maybe uh, uh, I might rant again. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you get it fired up, man. I hope that was that, that seems a little premature to say the rant is just yeah. done for the day. I agree. Rant is ramping up. <laughs> Keep your rant pilot light on. All right. Okay. So that's kind of a primer on what bookshop.org is, okay? So, sounds nice, but the next story casts a little bit of doubt on bookshop.org. Okay, so this is from uh, newstatesman.com, and it says, why bookshop.org is not the savior the book world needs. And since there's a you and savior, I'm guessing this is a British website. Nick, I know you'll appreciate that. I'm out. <laughs> it says, the He's ethical- glad they're getting ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think the bookseller is also a British website, and I believe the BBC might be some kind of British tabloid as well. So I've been participating just fine. Some British uh, gossip against rag. better judgment to this British gossip podcast you're trying to start. Carry on. I'm, very, I'm very proud of your restraint. Your <laughs> restraint. So he went almost says, 20 minutes yes. before complaining. <laughs> Okay. All right. Let me read this. Let me read this. Okay. The ethical alternative to Amazon was lauded when it arrived in the UK in November, but a number of high street booksellers and independent publishers are skeptical. All right. And let me tell you why, you know, bookshop arrived in the UK on November the 2nd, the announcement was met by a huge amount of public enthusiasm from bookshops, publishers, authors, literary critics, and readers alike, you know, this is revolutionary, you know, and there's authors like Margaret Atwood, Richard Osman, and Caitlin Moran directed their Twitter followers to purchase their latest books from the site. So everything well and good. We have like a little bit of change happening. That's great. But now it's a number of high street booksellers and independent publishers are increasingly skeptical of bookshop.org. Quote, what sticks in the throat is that it seems not remotely to be what it purports to be, says James Daunt founder of the independent book chain Daunt Books and managing director of the high street bookseller Waterstones. So that's pretty big. But they do just enough to appear credible, and it's a really nice story. Who doesn't love an anti-Amazon story? So my question is, should we listen to a guy who's in charge of Waterstones? Because that's like Barnes & Noble, right? Like I don't know if he really has a unbiased point of view, but you guys think that maybe uh, bookshop.org is uh, kind of full of it? Are they hosing everybody? I'm reading the article now to try to figure out why exactly they think it's not good. And it just sounds like a bunch of stuck up British people, honestly, because this guy, the Waterstone dude, he's just like, what sticks in the throat is the, it seems not remotely to be what it purports to be. But then it doesn't actually tell me why it doesn't do what it says oh, it's doing. Something in there about the amount that they're getting. So it's like 24% instead of 30% or something. That- well, less than Amazon. What it sounds like that the bookshop has done is kind of roped in a bunch of indie bookstores to basically become their affiliate network for bookshop. 
And it sounds like right. that wasn't clearly communicated that like really what they're doing is they're becoming their affiliates and promoting because part of the condition was they have to promote the bookshop.org as part of it. So it really seems like they've just become affiliates without really being told that's what they were doing. I'm not entire like I wouldn't jump to saying that this was done on purpose necessarily. You see a lot of people get into business and they're like, we're going to do business in a more ethical way and we're going to blow these other companies out of the water. And then they get a little blindsided by the realities of operating a very complex business and things start to slide and they're unprepared enough that they end up worse than the people they were trying to replace. And I'm not saying this couldn't have been on purpose. It absolutely could have. But also we do occasionally see people with very, very good intentions get stymied because they didn't know what to expect and they end up being pretty brutal and passing some mistakes down the line. I guess as I just don't aside, understand. Stymie is my favorite little rascal, but please continue. <laughs> no, I just don't really understand what they're mad about. I mean, this is an online store that connects independent booksellers. It, it looks like allowing them to sell some of their wares on the interwebs, which I can imagine a lot of independent bookstores that are smaller probably don't do that. Or probably don't have a pretty well updated inventory list and all that. But th- that's the complaint. I mean, again, I'm reading this now, but the complaint doesn't seem to be like, okay, I'm saying, Jim, Pippa, you guys are are probably right that that's the problem. But this article doesn't say that that's the problem to me. This article says, and here's the other, the second quote is they crashed in like a juggernaut and seem to be attempting to homogenize all indie bookshops into one online presence. Its launch was arrogant and clumsy. So is she just jealous or mad about the way they launched? I think what they're upset about is that it was billed as a better alternative to Amazon. And so about halfway Mm -hmm. down here, it has Amazon buys the publisher's books at 40% of cover price. But to sell books via bookshop, the publisher must go wholesale via Gardner's, which has a 55% discount and then has other fees. And so they earn significantly less by going through bookshop. And I didn't actually catch the first time that this is the publishers instead of the booksellers. Oh no, it's working with both. But basically both publishers and the indie bookshops are making less by going through bookshop than they would be by going through Amazon. And the whole point and the reason a lot of consumers are going to bookshop.org is they believe they're doing something better for the bookshops than if they went through Amazon. That makes sense. Okay, so this is like a a deception. help the little guy, all these indie bookstores need your help, and if you shop through bookshop.org, you're helping them, but they're not any better than Amazon or whatever. Exactly. Gotcha. Cool. And so what part of this helps the author at all? Exactly. So I'm just like, all right, cool, moving on, cool. Like publishers and booksellers being jerks uh, to each other. I'm like, well, I could, there's not a, an extra F word I could give about any of these guys doing their business. I'm like, good luck to them. You know, hey, capitalism. Is that no one's talking indie books. So we're just unaffected. Yeah. We're just unaffected. And that's really why I'm trying to make this probably egregiously jerky sounding point. But the point is, um, I don't really care what the, the old arcane print dead trees bookstores and publishers want to do because it's not going to affect me and I'm doing just fine without them. Mine are vanity plays and they sit on my coffee table if I have a print book. That's it. I read on my Kindle. Even when I buy a paperback or a hardcover, I read it once and go, ooh, pretty. And then I only read at bedtime. So let me put it on my Kindle paperwhite and then I read it there. So my point is I'm waiting to see when one of these guys wakes up and says, 
there's millions of authors out there selling books on Amazon. Maybe that's how we compete with Amazon. Maybe that's how we make this work. Maybe we go get those guys and give them a better royalty rate. We offer 71% if you have it within $299, $999 or whatever. And then you start getting authors to jump ship and you figure out how to make a business work where people will buy those books. Hint, Amazon figured it out. So I bet somebody else could, but nobody's paying attention to us. Grant continued. I like All I got it. from that was that Nick hates trees. That was what I took away from that. Or really likes and trees. And British people. Did you forget about and the British people? Trees and Brits were the problem, guys. <laughs> All right, right on. Well, that's interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on this and see how this uh, bookshop develops. You know, see if there's anything in it for us at some point in the future. Okay, so our next story is kind of a cautionary tale, right? Not necessarily about authors in general, but more about the power that some people can hold over you if you're not careful with the kind of contracts that you sign. Uh, so this is uh, from BuzzFeed News, and it's regarding a wedding dress designer named Haley Page. And she says she's Sorry, lost the right to her BuzzFeed News? Oh, BuzzFeed. The, BuzzFeed. The number one name in all news newsworthy yes, journalism absolutely. they've gotten a lot better i'm just giving you uh, crap uh, I, i'm excited for this one this is going to be fun i can't wait to rant on uh, <laughs> on this carry so on my event, wayward son in any event so buzzfeed news wedding dress designer Haley page says she lost the right to her instagram and her own name in court and a terrible announcement the designer told fans she is being sued by her old parent company, which alleges it owns everything she built. So let me get a couple of these paragraphs out of the way to set the stage here. All right. Popular wedding dress designer Haley Page announced to her fans that she can no longer use her own name, which is also the name of her fashion line in any business endeavors or even speak it out loud due to a temporary restraining order from its parent company, JLM Couture. The designer, whose legal last name is Gutman, no wonder she goes by Paige, says she has also lost access to her Instagram account, which has more than a million followers. She warned fans that while the account is still posting, she is no longer behind it. So if you read down through this, it looks like she signed a deal with some people to help her get some exposure. And part of the deal was they owned Haley Page, which is kind of like her pen name, and she doesn't have any rights to it. So this is kind of crazy, don't you guys think? She can't even say her own name out loud anymore. What do you think, Jim? Well, you can let us in easy, because I feel like Nick's going to be so spicy. We need to tip no, on the front side. I'm a little spicy about this one, actually. Do uh, it, I don't have any sympathy for Ms. Page. Don't use rented land. You know, It sounds like she made a deal with the devil, and she's unhappy that she doesn't get to keep her soul now. Don't expect that you can make something on company time and then get to keep it. You know, if I go to my job at the post office, but instead of sorting letters, I go in the back and I work on a sculpture, I'm not going to take it to my boss and go, see, look at this thing I made. It's just dumb. Don't work on rented land and then expect to be able to keep it when you're not happy with the terms of the deal. So I'm not sticking up for this company. I'm sure they're terrible people, but Haley Page should have known better. Mm. Yeah. So they mentioned later on that this is quite common in fashion i guess that you sell like your name and your brand to a parent company and then they own it and i'm sure that it's gotten a little more complicated now that social media is a thing because you know you are posting on your own page and it does feel like a thing you've built but i actually went and looked up more recent news about this 
And it turns out that she's also being sued because after they started, she was getting affiliate commissions from other things. And it sounds like she definitely knew she wasn't supposed to because she was funneling the money through her fiance. So now he's also being sued. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's this definite, like, okay, if you're going to make a deal with a multinational company, get a very good lawyer and make sure you know exactly what you're signing away. And don't try to play fast and loose with it because they will find out. Nick, rent mode activated. No, I I, know nothing to rant about. Jim did an exceptional job explaining my vitriol for most people on any (laughs) social media channel that thinks their life is worth something because they're pretty or because they've amassed a certain number of followers. Now, in her defense, she is. It does seem like there's some substance behind what she does. She's a wedding dress designer. My rant would more be along the lines of the influencer crowd who has built something from absolutely nothing, including no skills or talents to be seen whatsoever. And people follow them and like them and they make money for that for some reason. It looks like she knows what she's doing a little bit. She's a good designer and all that stuff. So fine, whatever. There's some substance there. So I'm hoping that she can figure out how to do her job and be kind of her own person with her own company and designing wedding dresses and owning her own stuff. Just like Jim said. Don't share crop in other people's land. So, boom, yes, there you yes. go. Kind of like maybe Haley Gutman will become popular too. I think this kind of feels to me like you remember in the 80s where like corporate piracy no. was a big thing, right? <laughs> like people would, you know, they want to grow so big and sell so much of their company that they sell 51% and then they get taken over and all that kind of stuff. It kind of seems like that. So maybe consider how much you want someone else to be part of what you're doing or how fast you need to grow. And then you might not have to put yourself in a situation like this where you- Or, and this is just the conspiracy theorist in me, I wonder how many wedding dresses she's sold since her sob story hit the interwebs. Well, I don't know if she gets any money for it, right? Because she's not Haley Page, so- if they're well, no, but I'm saying that she's a wedding dress designer, and then she started this new Instagram account, which I'm assuming she's doing the same thing. So I wonder how many wedding dresses she's sold by her previous followers going, oh, poor girl, let me just, this is her version of a GoFundMe, you know? She wants to split off from the from the mama company. <laughs> That's a good way to do it. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, well, right she did get them to play along, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, That's true. That's true. Good point. All right. Well, let's go to our last one. We'll end on something a little bit lighthearted. I'm very sorry that I'm going to have to click so I can go to my other tab. So hold on. Can I press mute real quick? That was a click. Okay. So this last one comes to us from yet another UK newspaper. I think I'm trying to give give Nick an aneurysm. I'm so sorry. I'm just going to mute and start screaming. Let me get this before you guys start going after it. Okay. (laughs) It's about can our reading preferences help us find love? It says that readers are in demand on dating sites with one focused entirely on bringing book lovers together. But is our taste in literature truly a good indication of compatibility? And the big headline is, quote, I couldn't be in love with someone who liked Jack Reacher. So first of all, Screw you, lady, because... Okay, no, so here's the thing, is you assumed that was a lady. I assumed that was a lady when I read it. That's a dude. Mm. <laughs> so the doctor was a out. woman. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and now we're supposed to not hate him? Uh, no, I, think I that, Yeah, out. gender doesn't matter in this case. Oh, screw you. Listen, you don't like Jack Reacher. When I said screw you, lady, that's still appropriate to the man, okay? Who doesn't like someone who likes Jack Reacher. I spoke correctly, but... <laughs> 
No, in any event, it's like, hey, does your dad lift weights? No, then tell him happy Mother's Day, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I'm going to kind of inappropriate. Okay. (laughs) It's very appropriate, Jim. So, in any event, this story is just, it's weird. It's all these people who are putting a lot of stock in the kind of stuff that their potential mate likes to read. So, what do you guys think? Could you be with someone who read something that different than you? Would it quench your fire, your lust flames? Would it put your lust flames out? Nothing puts out my lust flames. <laughs> it sounds like it sure can help you root out the snobs. This website sounds like a good tool for that. That's fair. Amen. Amen. By just not going on that one particular site, it sounds like. I think it does require some testing, though. Um, Jim, <laughs> want to jump on there? It's <laughs> always- true love. It's always nice to have things in common with your partners. Until you have kids, then that's the only thing you have in common anymore. We'll take the rest of that talk offline. Oh, stop. How you doing, Jim? You're going to get me in trouble. (laughs) Look at these British quotes here. These quotes from these Brits. One says, I fell head over heels. I just want to be clear that I don't know that that's causation and correlation, but I just want to point out, just in case it is, I'm just going to say, I fell head over heels for a guy who worked with my friend, says 25-year-old Emma, from London, on the third date, which is interesting. He invited me over to cook dinner for me. I walked in, and I knew it would never work. His shelves were filled. I'm going to pause. Do you guys know what it is? Do you want to guess? Don't read it. Dan Brown. What do you think Dan Brown. Oh, man. What do you think, Jim? I read it already. Dan Brown, yeah. Oh, okay. His shelves were filled with science fiction cartoon books. That was it. And they were alphabetized. That part she sounds really, like a killer. Yeah, cartoon she does. Books? Like, he dodged a bullet there. What's a cartoon wow. book? Um, I guess it's I don't know. Manga. It sounds like, like she doesn't know. I don't think she does. <laughs> so you mean like, like, like comic books? Like, <laughs> like Calvin and Hobbes? <laughs> like collections? Yeah. I'm playing Gary Larson. kind of sci-fi. Get out of here. You know, like that. <laughs> Gary Larson's kind of sci-fi, sure. Yeah, maybe it's the far like side. Of Frank I'm Miller stuff. the far side myself. Mm-hmm. But, I did. Right. Uh, well, there's the other one about Katie was put off by her date's judgment of her own reading tastes. He said he saw The Secret History by Donna Tartt and Brideshead Revisited by Evelyn Waugh and said, I'm a big bookworm, but some of these are a bit cliche. No, throw them out of your house. <laughs> if you like to read a book, read the book. Date could you the imagine? Yeah, that's so weird, man. That's a weird thing, but I don't know. I guess some people take it seriously. So, And he goes, I really like this thing called Lord of the Rings. He'd literally only read those three books. And I'm like, what other books do you need to read? <laughs> like, So I just want to read Lord of the Rings. Get out of my life. <laughs> Jerks. <laughs> Who I will say is a British author, so I'm not racist. <laughs> I don't think it's racism. It's like jingoist, maybe. No, because I don't. I don't uh, love America that much. We'll call it ex-colonial fervor. Thank you. That's. I like that. I like that. That's good. <laughs> We're gonna put that on, on a on a t-shirt for the show. <laughs> Sit here as I drink my Sam Adams out of a punch bowl. <laughs> right on. All right, guys. Well, I think we had enough weirdness for this week. You guys got anything you want to add before we skate out of here? Nope. Seeing there is nothing. Okay, good deal. Well, for all of us at Author News Weekly, I'm R.A. McGee saying this meeting is over. Goodbye, everyone.